the scholarship, by the way, I'm so delighted that I heard on a year providing that um, because oh, yeah, I too at the time had a scholarship and it was, it, it's so nice to have that financial help to, to go and do it. This episode of Girls With Goals is brought to you by UCD Michael Smurfit Graduate Business School. Her is proud to partner with Smurfit to offer one female candidate an MBA scholarship to cover up to 100% tuition fees for the new modular two years part-time executive MBA. Keep listening for all the details. Welcome to Girls With Goals. I hope you've had a lovely start to the new year. Literally, things can only get better. So glad to have you back. We're delighted to be partnering with UCD Michael Smurf at Graduate Business School. And here on Girls With Goals for the next two weeks, we're going to be bringing you all of the information on their new modular two years part-time executive MBA. We're even more excited because we've actually partnered with the school to offer one female candidate the chance to have up to 100% of their tuition fees covered off. It's such a life-changing, wonderful opportunity. And for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be in interviewing two incredible women who have already completed a Smurfit MBA program themselves to tell us about their MBA experience and their journey. All the information you need on applying is in the description box below. There's also heaps more information over on her. So if you want to head over to our site to check it out, and we'll also be bringing you the entry information at the end of this episode. So do stay tuned. As I mentioned, this is a unique and life-changing opportunity. It's perfect for MBA applicants and Ireland who are on the hunt for a more flexible part-time EMBA. So in particular, this new offering may suit women who are, for example, short of time or who are busy in their careers or who are entrepreneurs as well. The new two-year part-time EMBA will begin in August 2021 and it requires just two days attendance each month. All in-person attendance decisions will be guided, of course, by Irish government health guidelines at the time. So during these contact hours, students will develop leadership skills, boost career prospects and broaden their network while applying what they've learned to their current workplace in real time. So that's enough out of me. It's time to get someone on who actually knows what they're talking about. So Claire O'Hara is an alum of Smurfit. She's also the head of business planning and operation for global gaming with Facebook. Claire, it's so lovely to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with us today. Not at all. Hi, Neve. How are you? Great, great. You're keeping well. How's everything going in this strange world that we're living in nowadays? (laughs) Everything is great because it's Friday afternoon yes. uh, for me right now. But so everything is great. We're we're kind of we've small kids and we're managing to survive. And that's good enough for me right now. Oh, wow. So you're not only doing the job that I just explained, you're also a teacher at home schooler, all that kind of jazz and everything like that. So you deserve all the medals is what I've been hearing anyway from my friends who have kids. Kind of a tough time, but everyone will get through it. That's what we're we're trying to stay positive, you know. Exactly. I'll take the at-home schooler title. A teacher is probably a bit strong for the standards of provisional service there. I I actually, Claire, I have to say, we're talking to some of my friends and they're just like, I don't know whether fractions have just got harder since we've come out of school, but it's, it's an absolute nightmare. And this is it. I remember fractions always being very difficult, but it's when you have to impart knowledge onto little people that absolutely terrifies me. But you're all doing a great job. I, I say that from somebody who doesn't have kids, but I absolutely commend you for the work that you're doing. (laughs) 
Um, but we're here. We're here to talk about uh, the scholarship that I was speaking about earlier on, and we're so thrilled to kind of learn a little bit about your own career and what you've been through when, when it comes to your education. So before we get into talking about Smurfit, I'd I'd love to go back a little bit and talk about earlier memories for you. So when it comes to your own education, and I suppose career aspirations that you would have had when you were younger. Sure. Yeah, I was like starting that off with a long, long, long time ago <laughs> when I was a little girl. Um, no, it's funny. When I was a teenager, I don't know whether I was like really stubborn of mind, but I, to- I totally decided when I was 13 what I wanted to be when I grew up. And like loads of people were thinking about really exotic careers. And I was like, I really want to be a civil engineer. And wow. I don't- um, and to be honest, I had a cousin, I had an uncle who was a civil engineer and, you know, I was, I was strong at maths or at least I was less weak at maths than I was with the likes of English and languages. And I had decided I was going to be an engineer. And I, it, so the reason I knew that it went all the way back to 13 was when I was in Leave Insert, our religion teacher opened these uh, letters that we had written ourselves when we were our 13 year old selves to rem- and we had written this full note, like moment, you know, a memo of what I want to, you know, who I am and what what I care about and what I want to be grow up. And I realised when I was just after filling out the CAO form to yeah. do engineering that I had decided that when I was thirteen, I was like, wow, okay, I really didn't veer off in that period of time. So that's what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I did uh, apply and became an engineer. So I went off to college in Galway yeah. um, and practice, I actually did uh, non-denominational engineering, thought that was really broadening, broadening my horizons for first year. Yeah. And then I actually did choose civil engineering and specialised in that area. Amazing. Here's me talking about how bad I am at maths and then you come out and blow me out of the water with your uh, civil engineer and just being uh, a maths whiz. I'm now embarrassed that I said that earlier on. Please don't judge me for my lack of maths knowledge. Um, but it, it is kind of one of those interesting careers like when you're I suppose when you're 12, 13 years of age you know I still think that actually in this country when you're filling out your CAO I still think it's really early to be trying to deduce what it is that you want to do for the rest of your life but it's interesting that you kind of always had that clear focus and did that continue you then throughout college and and kind of your first uh working experience it did and by the way I do agree I think it's I do think CAO time is so early for people to be making those calls I mean I mean 17 year olds like come on I didn't even know what music I was into back then so it's just very difficult to decide what career you want and I'm not sure whether the standard of career guidance has changed, but like back when I was in school, we went into the room with a nun who had <laughs> done um, some, I'm sure we had done some sort of psychometric testing. And she she told us what we could potentially be. She gave me like two options, neither of which included engineering. And then wow. I left the um, but I, I do think it's really hard to, to decide when you're 17, 18, even 19. Um, and But I stuck with, I stuck the course. I had a bit of a wobble in first year we yeah. were doing when I was doing engineering and I came home at Christmas and I was there to my mum going, do you know something? <laughs> I think I really should have done medicine. And, you know, I should really drop out now if I really, because I'm going to have to apply to the CAO again. Yeah. And it's so funny the influence your parents have on those career decisions. Um, my parents would have been quite subtle to some degree, but secretly influencing a lot of like how I thought about my education, how I thought about my career. 
and, and conversations would have been like, well, that's totally up to you, but. Yes, it's <laughs> so great. true. Maybe that's an Irish thing because I genuinely remember my parents being the same. Me and my, myself, and my brother, I remember we had very different career paths from quite early on. So he was studying accountancy. And for me, from the time I was about, you know, 16, 17, journalism was the only thing that was on my peripheral view. I was just like, this is what I want to do. This is the only thing I want to do. And I do remember my parents being like, well, that's great, but are you willing to never have any money for the rest of your life? And I was like, I mean, sure. <laughs> but it, it is that like, t- it's tiny and it's, a, it's, it's, I suppose you could call it subtle is a, is a good way to put it. Uh, my parents might have been a bit less subtle, um, but it is, it's, it's the influence, you know, and that's kind of, I suppose we all grow up in different households. So it is important what your parents think about your career too, you know. It is. I mean, your parents clearly didn't know you're going to grow up to be <laughs> such a big shot. Um, I love but that. It is. It is true. Um, and my parents, I think, like they themselves are like teacher and accountant, like really solid professions, mm. you know, like low risk, always going to have an income coming in. And, you know, I think they wanted that security for us, if I'm being honest. And anyway, they influenced us like uh, in their subtle ways. And my mom was like, you know, what a doctor, do you know what, what that lifestyle looks like? And I slowly but surely decided, OK, maybe I should stick with engineering. And I yeah. did. And I actually really it, enjoyed the course. I actually really enjoyed the the discipline of engineering um and I went on I hadn't had I'm not sure whether it was I hadn't had enough of engineering or I hadn't had enough in college of college but I went on to do a, a master's research program mm. um for two more years and um, when I was finished and like went further into the depths of engineering and did that in geotechnical engineering as a specialty wow which really is probably the least sexy thing in the whole world but that's what I did and then I eventually got a job like a real world job as an engineer where I worked for eight years um uh, I worked with one company um Arab and I just loved it like it's so I loved engineering and even looking back now, I'm totally not an engineer now. Um, but I actually loved my time as an engineer. Um, but that was my pre-MBA time. But that, yeah, it's so interesting. I suppose like having, you know, worked then in that industry for eight years, which is, you know, a pretty big chunk of, of time when it comes to careers. Was there a, a day that you remember being the turning point that that you were like, do you know, I want to go back to education or this MBA is, is really right up my street. What was it that kind of clicked you into that? Because I know for a lot of people, and I hope that people are listening to this and who get inspired by your story. You know, some people, once they come out and they're in that kind of real world job, sometimes it's hard to imagine going back to education, you know, because you have to, you know, go back to, well, you don't go back to the college life, but I suppose it is that commitment. And and sometimes when you're in a career that's really fulfilling you, that's tough. So what was it for you that kind of pushed you into the MBA? Yeah, it's such a good question. And it's so funny when you start the MBA, you kind of ask everybody that question, like what was the moment that yeah. you thought it was a good idea? Um, and for me, really, I had uh, in my role within the engineering firm that I was working with, I had started to work a little bit in like our business development function. Mm-hmm. And we were exploring like expanding our service provision into Scandinavia. And in that, I was like building new partnerships and actually seeking out new clients. So I had kind of moved a little bit into softly into like the business components of our of the engineering firm that I was working with. And it was that sort of that really piqued my interest in really wanting to know more about this. Um, I kind of liked the balance at the time of being like half business that I was doing and actually half hardcore engineering still at yeah. the same time. Um 
And to be honest, my decision to go back to, to further my education at the time was very much driven by I really wanted to know more. It was honestly just a self-fulfilling curiosity about business and management practices, something I hadn't even done commerce, you know, or, yeah. or what was it called in, in secondary school? But um, I had business done accounting. Studies? Business studies, business right? Yeah, yeah business studies. Um, but I had done accounting and my dad's an accountant and my my brother had done commerce. But I was like, you know what? I'd love to just know a bit more about it. I'd love to be more, have more confidence if this is a role that I'm going to explore within the engineering world or otherwise. And, and I actually just went back to really learn, yeah. not actually with this big picture, like I really want to change job or I really want to pivot direction. I yeah. didn't have that like strong sense of conviction. Um, but I did think that came to me a bit more when I was in the MBA, I have to say. Wow, that's so interesting because I think that's one of the things that a lot of people think, you know, it's it's about furthering your career. It's about those aspirations that you have. But really interesting to know that, you know, you were actually very comfortable in your career and it was more so just wanting to learn more. Like that's kind of why we all, well, I suppose that was the feeling that I had when I went to university in the first place. I was just so eager to learn. And I suppose when you have that feeling, I think it's something that's just inside you, you know, if you if you have that hunger to want to know more about something. And it's usually like that. I mean, it's usually something that you just don't know that much about. So you want to learn more about it, as simple as that sounds. I suppose like with this uh, scholarship that we're running, you know, it's a new two-year part-time EMBA, which actually only requires two days attendance each month. So of course, there's going to be some uh, guidelines to do with the Irish government about whether that's going to be in person or remote. But I suppose, Claire, could I ask a little bit about the balance that you had during the programme? So like, how did you balance, you know, dealing with the coursework as well as, you know, working full time and kind of managing that whole aspect of work, life, education balance? Yeah, so it's a great question because it is demanding and there's there's no point in saying, oh, this it was a total breeze because it definitely wasn't. Right. Um, but to be honest, people... Um, Anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. Like there were mums in that class with three kids. There were dads with, with like with young babies being born in the middle of that course. And, you know, people have the ability to do it. But you you almost have to have that conviction when you go into the program and also recognize what it might take to, to, to make that balance actually work. Because at the end of the day, your fam family comes first. You know, it's, yeah. it's top of the pile. And and after that, you, you still have to balance your career. You still have to um, turn up for jobs that have high expectations. Mm. And then really your course fits in everything around that. I would say the thing that falls out a little bit is, you know, that your social in your social life a little bit. Well, we don't have to um, worry about that now. So that's yeah, <laughs> that's a bit easier at the moment, for sure. And, you know, things like that sports. I mean, I continued to play a lot of sport actually during the time at MBA so not everything falls off you you know it's amazing how people can fit into their days I have to say but I did not have kids at the time so um I know the people who did have kids th th their sport and their social life they were the things that did fall off their yeah. calendar for those for the semesters I should add yeah. because when I did the course, it was also two years, but we had more in-person class time than the newly proposed program. Yeah. And but the pro the semesters really were about 13 weeks long for the first one and 13 weeks. So that's only like 26 weeks, let's say, of your year. Yeah. And it was really 
<laughs> and then I would have said, first four weeks are building up. They actually seem like a nice slow pace. And so it's really the last sort of half of each semester where you, there's a real crunch mode on submission of assignments and yeah. prep for exams. And I'm like, anybody can do this, right? That that amounts to 13 weeks of the year where you're in crunch mode. Right, yeah. And when you know it's for that, you're like, you can knuckle down and make it happen. That's it, yeah. It's it's good to note and it's good to kind of as well acknowledge that, you know, if, if you're going to embark upon this, it does take commitment and it is something that, you know, you should only do it if, if you really feel like it's something that you want to do. I suppose like one of the things that we're highlighting as well is that during the contact hours, if you want to call them that, you know, students are kind of developing leadership skills. They're also boosting their career prospects and they're broadening their network at the same time as well while applying what they're learning to their current workplace as well in real time so can you tell us a little bit about that so while you were doing the MBA you know was that happening for you were you applying what you were learning to your current role or did it kind of then open your mind up a little bit to actually maybe I should be in more of a business centric role yeah no it is the beauty of the EMBA the executive MBA when you when you continue like in your career whilst doing the course part-time yeah um you definitely in all honesty there's parts of this course that you apply to um all like you you, you know we do things on negotiation skills honestly I have to negotiate with my two-year-old every day <laughs> um so far-reaching you, skills Love yeah that. yeah far-reaching skills <laughs> exactly you do get to apply it in your career day-to-day for particular components in 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 the course some are like you're going to be doing something on corporate finance I wasn't applying that day to day in my role when I went back into the engineering firm but there'll always be at least 50 percent of the curriculum that you'll find that you're applying in your in your career or in your setting a few people I mean there's such diverse backgrounds I mean like in my class there is pharmacists there were people who were actually accountants already in business themselves. It was quite a few engineers. Um, there were doctors. And like when you're a pharmacist, you're not necessarily always going to be applying it day in, day out. But there are always components of it that you will be. Yeah, it's it's good to know as well. And I suppose like... How did it impact you when it come to confidence? Like, how did you feel whilst you were doing this? Because again, you know, it's about that balancing act between being in a career that you were already in, obviously very accomplished, having gone through quite a good bit of education. Did you feel like this helped you away from that as well? Did it feel like it helped you when it came to making those connections from a networking point of view too? So yeah, if I, somebody actually said to me, like what was the biggest thing about your MBA? I would have said, honestly, it was the, what you gain in confidence about your ability to go out there and yeah. actually, you know, apply this in any way, shape or form um, and give you confidence both in your own conviction, but actually in your ability to to deliver on these things. Um, it was amazing. Like that was the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah. Um I think without that, you 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 kind of peter along and you're, you, you're trying to self-learn. This really propels you forward. But also being in a class setting, I went in initially, as I do to every probably thing that I do, plus job, wondering, like, am I really up to the standard here? Like, do I, am I going to be showing up here when I um, am against these amazing other candidates that are in my class or against these other colleagues that are going to work alongside me? And you actually realise that you're, you're well able to do it and uh, just 
putting that into practice and having those amazing peers with you on that journey and the lectures and the course, you leave going, I can totally do this um, in these different disciplines because, you know, business at the end of the day really is not rocket science. It really is not. And so there, there is a lot in there that you would learn in your job and in your day-to-day life experiences, given the time. But doing this course really ex- ultimately accelerates that learning you know, fitting that that learning curve into two years. Yeah, it sounds so exciting. Like it really does. And it's great to kind of hear that as well. I think a lot of people have that imposter syndrome, I suppose we could call it that. Just, yeah. I think it's something that, you know, I've interviewed so many people who've said that they've had that at one stage or another throughout their career. And it's actually about, well, okay, well, what can I do in order to not feel that and to also know that I do deserve and want a seat at the table, you know? So really interesting to hear that side of it. Claire, can you tell us a little bit about the role that you're in at the moment and how you came to get there? Yeah. So at the moment, I lead the business planning and operations function for global gaming. Such a mouthful in in Facebook. Um, And ultimately, that's the advertising side of the Facebook business. And I kind of act like somewhere between their head of strategy or their COO type roles um, and support the regional vice president who's like our CEO of the business. Um, And it's it's kind of like a mix of strategy and operations ultimately function. And that's quite Um, a leap. Is that fair to say that it was quite a leap from what you were doing, you know, in engineering? How did that kind of come to come to be? Yeah, no, totally different. I mean, totally different ballgame, really. Um, when I was in the MBA course, um, as I said, I entered it with great intentions, to be honest, and full intentions of staying in engineering. Um, and towards the end of the course, um, a lot of prospective employers like really interested on in the candidates from the course and they come in to meet the, the candidates. And it's a great opportunity. You get to meet lots of different people, lots of different organizations, understand like the, the breadth of opportunities that exist out there. And one of those employers is, was McKinsey um, Consulting and they always go to the course and they they had some amazing people like from their organization came in and they go through like this is what life in McKinsey looks like and this is the problems that we solve and it I was so interested and in fairness McKinsey is it's like a traditional strategy consultant Mm -hmm. consulting firm it's much like a little bit of an extension of the MBA but it's like the MBA on drugs really is the way I applied and you're applying it obviously in real life um And I decided, I was like, you know something, that is worth exploring. That is something that I am passionate about. I had really loved the MBA. And I was like, the MBA on drugs sounds good to me. (laughs) And I applied for that role more to actually even go through the interview process because everyone says like even the McKinsey interview process is an experience in and of itself. Um, So I did do that. And um. Actually, when I was offered the McKinsey job, um, I, I initially said no, which was sounds ridiculous. But I said no because it's a huge lifestyle commitment. Yeah. Um, working at McKinsey is lots of travel. There's lots of long hours. Like when you're interviewed, they're they're like, okay, so like our standard working week is 77 hours. I oh my God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I just got married in the middle of the MBA and I was like, I am so selfish if I take this job. It's too much to do. Like after being, I felt like a, like this kind of absent fiance slash wife, you know, for the duration of the co- the course a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I said no. And, and they called me up, the, 
the Connor at the time who was leading the office. And he's like, don't be an Egypt. Like, this is a great <laughs> opportunity. Give it a go. And if it really doesn't work out, just like, you know, leave. Yeah. And I was like, you know, you're, you're right. And I, I don't think I had been like a high risk person, you know, about like taking that leap. And my husband was like so supportive at the time. And he's like, you know, you're going to regret it if you don't. So, you know, take the leap every once in a while. You've really got to take the leap about giving something like that a go. And so I took the leap at the time and I'm so glad I did. I had um, I, I stayed at McKinsey with for four years. I had an amazing experience there, like I, I just learned so, so much from the people I worked with. Um, and that was so that was my big pivot, I have to say, like from engineering into management consulting. Yeah, big pivot. And also like a bit of a leap of faith, I suppose, too. But, you know, in the in the words of Connor, you probably would have been a bit of an agent not to take that opportunity as well. You know, sometimes you just have to close your eyes and jump, I guess. You do, you do. And I mean, we say it all the time, you know, like you sometimes you've got to take those risks. But then when it comes to it, I'm such a calculated, I do think, person on the whole. And I was I was I really loved what I was doing. I loved the people I was working with. And I, I eventually I was like, you know, I really just have to go and stretch myself here. Um, and I mean, I was like mourning leaving Arab. I was like a, a family and Aww. I was in tears, you know, I mean, lots of people are when they leave a job like that. But I'm so glad I took that leap of faith and that somebody, even just that one phone call to make me reconsider yeah. and go like, you know, don't be an Egypt. And I was like, you're right. Let's not be an Egypt. Let's just go for it. And you would, I would assume that you would say that that was the right decision for you that you've made in terms of where you are now in your career. Yeah, no, it definitely was. Um, consulting is quite a generalist practice, you know, um, within the business field. And so far as you you can work across like a lot of multitudes of functions within business and you get exposed to lots of different industries via your clients. And so that in, in itself, kind of was furthering my education and my learning and going into consulting and it also gave me a bit of an opportunity to understand if this was it for me forever like whether I was leaving engineering forever um, and explore options when I was there or whether to stay in McKinsey and like become a a partner there Um, but ultimately I spent four years there I had my two kids when I was working at McKinsey, actually, and eventually just family lifestyle and the McKinsey demands, you know, really came into conflict with each other. Um, Other people make it like are able to do it. It's not to say actually for moments in the workplace that that like lifestyle isn't possible. Lots of people make it happen. I, I kind of made a conscious decision that I wanted to be at home more, wanted to be in the country more. Um, and so I decided I was, you know, going to explore options outside of um, McKinsey. And at that time, I hadn't actually done anything proactive. I was like, that's a good idea. I'll get to that when I'm less busy. Um, but Facebook had called me. Um, Facebook came knocking. Love that. Facebook came knocking. <laughs> um, yeah, right. I was like, they had, I'd actually spoken to them about a year previous to that as well. And I was like, you know, I actually really happy to stay in McKinsey at the time. So anyway, Facebook came and they were like, look, there's an opportunity if you'd like to apply. Um, and I was like, Do you know something? I will like, you know, let me just explore these options that are outside here. Um, just so I understand as well the trade offs of the decisions I'm making against lifestyle and everything else. Yeah. And um, I went and met Gareth, who was head of the 
his head of Facebook Ireland. Um, he's now my boss. He's such a great guy. I'd say he was like, who is this girl? Because I went in and had like 50 million questions you know, about <laughs> a Facebook. And he's like, OK, <laughs> he's like, are you interested in working here? And I was like, I actually really, really am. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided to formally apply for the role. Um, and so, yeah, I've been at Facebook now for the last two two years, like almost exactly two years. And and so like in terms of the the MBA, then kind of slightly going back to that, do you feel in this role that you're in now with Facebook, do you feel the skills come through that you learned while you were in the program? Like, do you see it on a day to day basis in terms of kind of using those skills and bringing them into real world actionable business requirements? I do. Like it really was the foundation of of what I have to do every day, to be honest, now at Facebook. Um, And that and what I what I learned at McKinsey is like a a combined like the journey of of what what brings you there. Um, But I would never have had that opportunity to work with McKinsey if I had not done the MBA. I mean, it was the single sole contributor of me being able to jump out of engineering and like somebody's going to hire me as an engineer because I have that MBA like education to be honest and so that's what enabled me to make that leap. It's such an incredible uh, journey and we're so thankful that you shared your story as well I, I would like to say kind of finally before we let you go for anybody who's listening you know, who are potentially going through a bit of a tough time at the moment, which lots of people are, but who are excited and feel, you know, invigorated by a story like yours about going back to education and maybe, you know, taking a leap into the unknown and and switching up careers entirely. What would you say to those people who are really interested, who want to make this commitment, who want to apply for this scholarship in particular, but who might be, you know, who might be suffering a little bit of that imposter syndrome that you spoke about earlier, or who might not know if it will fit in with their life. What what advice would you have for them? Oh, yeah. So first things first, I I would do the first, very, very first step. Honestly, click on the website and just explore what the course is and download your application form. You can always change your mind. You can explore with your network. When you speak to people in the course, a lot, I I get calls, by the way, all the time from the office, like, would you mind speaking to somebody who's thinking about going and doing this course? And like speaking to people firsthand who've done it is a great idea just to learn from somebody and be able to ask somebody lots of questions. They have open days as well, but it's always nice to have a one-to-one conversation. And then there is, honestly, there is that just that first step about like literally just open the application and and get it in there. And you can always over, because by the way, the application takes a little bit of time. Yeah. And it's it's not, I mean, it's like a couple of pages and you have to do your GMAT, which is like a, it's like a, a 40 minute test or something yeah. like that. It's not something like dramatic at all. Um, but there's a couple of steps to doing that. And honestly, that first step is the hardest one to take. It's the hardest one to take. And you have time then to consider your options about whether you want to make that commitment by speaking to other people. Imposter syndrome is a super real thing for all of us. I have, I, You said it, it happens to us on occasion. I have it all the time. Um, but you really have to back yourself. And even when you're not backing yourself, I'm like, you know, I'll just do it. Like, what is the worst thing that can happen here is I change my mind or it doesn't work out. And more often than not, you haven't backed yourself enough. It's more often than not the case. Um, so, yeah, I really encourage people to explore it. It really can be a life changing experience, even just doing the course, even if you go back to your own career where you're yeah. quite happy and it allows you to go to the next level. 
honestly doing that to your course kind of changed me as a person. Like, I learned so much about myself, how it like being pushed the ways that it pushes you. Um, yeah. So, yeah, really encourage people to to explore. Claire, that's so that's so brilliant. I feel so pumped. I feel like I should apply for Facebook. I want to go back to the MBA. I wonder if they'll let me in, even though we're doing the partnership scholarship. Will they let me in? I'm going to go. I'm just going to go right up to Smurf and knock on the door and say, let me in. Look, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they'll definitely. And you, the scholarship, by the way, I'm so delighted that I heard on a year providing that um, because oh, yeah, I, too, at the time had a scholarship and because it's so nice to have that financial help to to go and do it. Oh, we're so thrilled. And yeah, if we can kind of elevate the candidates to to kind of get up to that status and to move through their careers in the way that you are, we know that we'll we'll have done a great service. So Claire, we really appreciate your time today and thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much, Neve. Have a lovely day. That was Claire O'Hara there. A big thank you to Claire, who is the head of business planning and operation for global gaming at Facebook. Such an incredible story. She really did get me super pumped to apply for this scholarship, which I'm not going to do. Of course, we want an amazing candidate to come in and do it. Like I mentioned earlier on, UCD Smurfit School is delighted to partner with Her.ie in offering one female candidate an MBA scholarship to cover up to 100% tuition fees for the new modular two years part-time executive MBA this commences late August 2021. All of the links that you need to click on to go and download the application are in the description box below. So best of luck with the application. Can't wait to see them and we will chat to you next week.